G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Let's turn our attention today back to the clothes that we wear, the fashion that we buy, because in sweatshops in the developing world, the conditions are atrocious. Difficulty for individuals and families to have a simple living wage. Well, Baptist World Aid has just released recently their special edition Ethical Fashion Report. And it coincided with the 10-year anniversary of the dreadful disaster that happened in Bangladesh. You might remember it 10 years ago, the Rana Plaza disaster. Over 1,100 garment workers were killed when their garment factory simply collapsed. So dreadful things to understand with what happened there. But Sarah Knopp is back with us. She's Advocacy Manager at Baptist World Aid. Sarah, welcome back to 2020. Thanks for having me so much, Neil. Sarah, we were talking about this just a short while back. It is a special report. It coincides with that 10-year anniversary since that dreadful disaster. And there's been some good things that have happened over that last decade. Yeah, there have been. So we we love to work alongside fashion companies as well as assess them um, and publish their data every year. And we have found that positively there have been some steps in the right direction by fashion companies. So that includes things like um, being able to publish policies and commitments to do better in areas like paying living wage. Um, And we, we love to see them taking steps in the right direction there. And also really positively, we've seen some great progress in tracing and transparency. And that's really important for suppliers because what we what we don't know that is happening, what we can't see, we can't fix or prevent. So being able to trace the supply chain all the way through to, to cotton farms, for example, and then being transparent about that and publishing it on websites means that we can hold them accountable. Um, so they're really, really positive steps in the right direction. But as you said, um, we still have a long way to go to make things uh, equal and fair for garment workers. And so our work is far from over yet. Well, it's good to hear positive things have been happening over the past decade. Some might be a little cynical, and I'll get your thoughts here, because oftentimes when companies, and we're talking about fashion manufacturers in the developing world and the exploitation of workers, and you're interested in the welfare of workers, but there'll often be a gap between what companies say they might do to change and be better and what they actually do on the shop floor. Any thoughts here about the challenges there are in just because people can say they can do the right thing, but whether they really are or not, that's to be determined. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, so we, we have seen a real increase, as I've said, in the number of companies that have policies in place. So things like a code of conduct and also responsible purchasing practices. Um, but what we're finding is that those paper policies aren't actually being um, acted out in reality in supply chains. So one really strong example of this is a lot of companies have made a commitment to pay a living wage. Some have some projects in place to improve wage payments. Um, but as it currently stands of the 120 companies 
companies that we assessed in 2022, only four could evidence paying a living wage at more than 25% of their factories. And this gets even more grim as we go further through the supply chain to fabric mills um, and, to, and to farms and things like that. So there's a lot of work to be done by fashion companies to actually see those policies and commitments um, have a true and genuine impact on garment workers. So when we say those workers in factories being exploited, are we talking about a modern day slavery? It's something that people get caught into. They have to work for the little they get, but what little they get is not a living wage. Is that equivalent to slavery? Yeah, it is. And look, modern slavery is still a huge issue across the world today, and it's one that's getting bigger. So uh, the Global Slavery Index estimates that there are, um, you know, 20 million more people in slavery than there were back in 2013 when we first started our research. And for those who are not aware, modern slavery is is sort of an umbrella term that captures a whole lot of issues that we see right throughout fashion supply chains. So things like um, illegal child labour, forced labour, where people have no choice um, but to work bonded labour where people are um, coerced and, and, and forced to, to work. And so we see that right throughout fashion supply chains, in addition to, to exploitation, um, not paying a living wage, uh, abuse, all these sorts of things are still rife throughout the industry. And, and I might even just share with you, if you wouldn't mind, a quote from Aliyah, who is a Bangladesh garment worker, um, whose story we have the privilege of, of being able to share as part of our report. Um, and our ongoing work. So um, Aliyah actually said most of the factories that she worked in had child labour and when the buyers or compliance officers visited the factory, they used to hide all the children on the roof and some in back rooms. The supervisors would verbally abuse them and make them work overtime. And this is just tragic and an all too common story that is still taking place um, in the factories that make our clothes today. Wow. And, you know, it's the fashion buyers really who have some responsibility here because, and these would be fashion buyers even in the shops, the department stores that we shop in as to how they're spending the dollars that we're spending as consumers. Let me ask you, because there was 25 companies that you were making an assessment of uh, for 2013, um, 120 last year. Are there some companies that are dynamic improvers and some that are not so fabulous. And let me just give you permission here to name some brands, uh, some brands that we might all think about and we might have hanging in our wardrobes. So who are the most improved companies over this past 10 years and who are the least improved? Yeah, so as you've mentioned, there are 25 different fashion companies that we've assessed consistently over the last 10 years. We've obviously grown our report a lot over time and we're now assessing 120 big fashion companies. But really positively, we've seen some growth um, over the last 10 years. So, um, for example, Kmart, um, one of our most significant improvers, uh, David Jones, um, for those who buy a lot of athletic wear, you'd be familiar with Lululemon. Um, they're just three of the top five companies who have improved the most, um, according to our research, over the last 10 years. But I would also stress that even though we've seen great improvement and we want to celebrate that, um, we do our scoring system out of 100. And so 100 is what we consider to be best practice 
on a whole lot of different indicators, 18 different indicators of supply chain practice, ranging from things like their policies and governance through to worker rights and also their environmental sustainability. And so even though some of these brands have really improved over the last 10 years, um, we're still seeing, you know, the strongest in that group are performing at a rate of, you know, 56, 57 out of 100. So yes, there's been great progress, but I would really stress that we still have a long way to go. And so for listeners who buy from some of these brands, um, you know, I'd really do encourage you to jump on our website. We have a speak out to brands tool and email those companies and, and encourage them on the great work that they've been doing. Doing, but let them know that it's they're not there yet and we still want to see really significant improvements for garment workers over the next decade. Okay, you named a few improvers. Uh, do I detect a little bit of, um, you know, reluctance to name the least improved? Name us a few brands that could do with some improvement, Sarah. Sure. Look, we have published our least improved lists as well. And so that includes the likes of um, major global companies like Forever 21, Abercrombie and Fitch, um, but also some local players like Maya. And so, again, I would just encourage listeners to go online and email those brands and let them know you want to see them improve more over the next decade than they have in the last. And again, it's not really beating up on customers. Uh, It's not necessarily beating up on these major department stores, but there are buyers who are fashion buyers in our department stores here in Australia who have some responsibility on their shoulder because if you've got modern-day slavery, they can play a major role. And so putting pressure on them makes a huge difference. Hey, you've got 10 years of history now uh, since mm. the fashion report started to uh, be released. What do you see for the future? Is there a plan for the next 10 years? What's likely to come? Yeah, thanks for asking because you know we do we do have incredible insight having having looked at ten years of data and so um, what we really our, our message that we really want to share with fashion companies is you must escalate the pace of change for the next decade because the way we see it if the pace that we have been able to calculate looking at the twenty five companies that we've tracked over the last ten years if that pace of change is replicated for the next decade and and across the broader industry so across those one hundred and twenty companies then we're looking at some pretty um, some pretty grim findings for garment workers. So we're looking at another 75 years before all of those 120 companies would be paying a living wage in just one final stage factory that they work with. We're also looking at another 30 years before all companies would achieve traceability from the majority of their raw materials um, fibres producers. So they're the, the cotton farms and such. And then another 17 years before all companies have grievance mechanisms available for workers at a minimum of one factory. So that's giving workers the ability to raise their voice and let us know when there are issues within their within their factory and there's some pretty some pretty grim statistics so we really need to see companies escalate the pace of change and so we've put together a manifesto calling out what we want to see for the next 10 years and so we really want to see a world where workers are no longer exploited for commercial gain Um, but experience economic dignity through the payment of living wages. We want to see a world where workers who have been subjected to suffering and exploitation through the fashion industry are heard, rehabilitated and significantly compensated for their experiences. And we also want workers to feel safe in their workplace and free to speak out and take collective action when um, things aren't right so that they can protect their rights and and co-create bold solutions for the future. I was going to say, I don't think you and I will be doing the update in 75 years as to how things are going, but what has to happen is an escalation of the good work that is being applied, that pressure that's being applied to those buyers, 
and filtering through into those sweatshops in the developing world. And if there can be major improvement in 10 years, maybe you and I will be doing an update, Sarah. Hey, what can we do right now? Because we've got these brands that are in our wardrobes. Uh, What can we as consumers do to help the good work that you're doing at Baptist World Aid? Yeah, it's a great question. So, um, look, Aussies are big shoppers. We actually have a statistic um, that came from the Australian Fashion Council that uh, we're buying on average 56 garments per year, which is pretty unbelievable. So we have a lot of clothes already in our wardrobe. So my advice for your listeners is, is hold on to those clothes and take really good care of them, and then you'll have a more ethical and sustainable wardrobe. Um, but there are lots of other actions that you can take as well if you want to move beyond that. One is to just be an informed shopper. Use our website and do some desktop research so that you can make the best informed purchases possible. Um, And if you jump onto the Baptist World Aid website, you can also speak out to brands. As I've said, you can email them and tell them what you want to see change. Um, You can also support our really important work um, by donating to help end worker exploitation. And that option is available on our website as well, along with a whole lot of really interesting articles and tools that you can use um, to change your shopping habits. So I hope that everyone will check out our website. No doubt there's a lot more we could talk about too, but Sarah, a special honour to you and to all the team at Baptist World Aid. I know there'll be listeners who'd be interested in getting a hold of that report we've been talking about and I'll point listeners to baptistworldaid.org.au to be able to check out this very special ethical fashion report, baptistworldaid.org.au. Sarah, thanks so much for your update again today on 2020. Thank you again. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.